Welcome to the Roots of American Music podcast series. My name is Craig Lindell. This is episode one of our new series called Lift Their Voices. Please check out past podcast episodes of Roots Rear View, the Pandemic Tapes, and the Akron Music Heritage Project. Those are all on our website. Lift Their Voices, or LTV for short, is a community program highlight voices from marginalized communities and expand awareness. LTV is funded by the Ohio Arts Council and Cuyahoga Arts and Culture in partnership with Roots of American Music. Our series runs parallel to the monthly Roots of American Music concert series at the Music Settlement Bop Stop. Today we are interviewing the musicians who recently performed their original songs there. Today's episode tackles the topic of adults with disabilities and the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. These artists who give their unique voices to this issue are Mark Freeman and Charlie Mossbrook. They have written songs and put together an inspiring story about the Gang of 19. Hello, Charlie, and hello, Mark. Hello there. So, Charlie, first, let everybody hear the sound of your voice, even though you've been on this podcast before. All right. Well, I'm Charlie Mossberg. Good to see. Good to hear hear you. And Mark Freeman, let everybody hear what your voice sounds like. Hello, this is Mark Freeman. All right. So today we're going to be talking about the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Gang of Nineteen. Charlie, I want to start with you. What What gives you the voice to talk about this topic, what brought you to this topic and, and gave you the passion to get involved? Uh, well, to begin with, I, uh, I, I use a wheelchair in my day-to-day living. I have a spinal cord injury that um, I sustained in 2010. I had surgery and I am what is called a walking quad, which means I don't walk very well, but I am able to stand up and, and uh, with a cane cover a few feet here and there, but not very well. And, uh, and a couple of years into trying to do this, I was instructed to start using a wheelchair that life would open up for me. It did. Uh, and life opening up for me with a wheelchair was really only possible because these people who are the Gang of 19 helped to open that up for us. Um, I also serve on Cleveland Heights's uh, Transportation Advisory Committee in the, in the, uh, as the role of uh, spokesperson for people with disabilities, and um, and with that role, I've I've dug in to learn more about uh, the American Disabilities Act and and how it um, how it helps me and how it came to be, and it's a it's an incredible story of how these people put it all together. So it it's it's an interesting thing because I'm not exactly a young person. I was born in 1979, but even. Mm-hmm. Uh, even I don't really remember what life was like before the Americans with Disabilities Act. And uh, I, I watched the documentary on PBS about the Gang of 19. And I hadn't I didn't even really know that that, that had been part of the American history. How did you come to find out about that story? How did you educate yourself on that story? Uh, I think really a big part of it jumped out at me a few years ago uh, when, when they were having the, um, the health care talks in Congress. Uh, at the beginning of 2017, I believe, uh, where John, John McCain blocked the uh, blocked that that legislation that would have shut down the um, health care for people. But what was really important uh, 
in this regard with that event was was the way the people with disabilities went to Congress and refused to move. They refused to leave. And I became interested in that group and I started learning more and more about uh, the pe people behind that movement and what they did originally back in the uh, in the 70s to further progress this these legislations that have ultimately given me a lot more freedom to get in and out of buildings and in and out of buses and uh, not have to live a, a totally secluded life. So our other guest here is Mark Freeman. Uh, kind of the same question, Mark. Uh, what what brought you to this issue? You also wrote one of the songs that we're going to be featuring on this episode. So what gives you uh, the voice to this topic and, and what gives you passion about this topic? Um, at, when I was 53, I had a, a stroke um, and it was a pretty debilitating type of stroke. Um, and as a matter of fact, it took me probably three to four years before I could like think right and talk again. And I was just kind of a weird thing, especially when I was 53. Um, and I didn't really know about the gang of 19 until Charlie had mentioned it. Um, and then I started to do some research into it. And it's just kind of funny when, when, when you're talking about this stuff. It's uh, the, the people who were disabled uh, back in the old days, back when I was younger, uh, were literally put in homes and they had, there was no free school for disabled people until 1973. Uh, and prior to that time, people would just, they would be in homes and kids especially would, their parents would visit them twice a week for two hours at a time. And that was it. And so very often these kids just became adoptees. And it was just really, really sad. And I kind of felt like an adoptee too when I had this stroke because when you can't talk and you can't think right, it's like you're disabled. And it's just, and friends of mine would, would come up to me and try to talk to me and I recognized who they were and stuff like that. But it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't really carry on a conversation with them. I was just, anyway, but that's how I got involved with this. And it's just really, really very interesting. Well, and that's enough of an isolating situation, um, something that could make you feel like an outcast to then not be able to partake in the same public services that, that other people can, other people without disabilities can easily, easily partake in. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really what spoke to me about the Gang of 19 and, and the image of all those people uh, lined up in the streets blocking buses and blocking traffic, putting, putting action to their protest. Um, what did those images do for you, Charlie? Uh, they, they gave me a real sense of fight. I mean, it, it, what Mark was talking about uh, in his inability to communicate or really understand what people are saying to him, uh, it, it puts you in a position where it's really difficult to advocate for yourself. And for these people who were involved in the Gang of 19, they were basically locked in these homes that Mark was talking about, um, secluded, pushed off to the side without any voice to advocate for themselves or to advocate for them. 
and that's that's a really I'm, I I think I almost forgot the question, but advocacy is a is a really important role for all of us, uh, and the ability to stand up for yourself and say, hey, I need this, which is a is a hard lesson for, you know, especially as a singer songwriter, we have to be very independent in our lives. I very rarely have needed to go out of my way to say, hey, I need help from you. But in 2010, I found myself with this need in a way that I never understood before. And uh, I was really inspired how, how these people advocated for themselves and they stood up and said, we need your help to be able to live the lives mm -hmm. that we should be able to live. So obviously, you know, they, they were leaders in the space and they, they carried on the first part of the fight since becoming disabled yourself. What, what kind of secondary fights have you come up against? What situations and, and inad, uh, inequities uh, as a performer uh, or even as, as somebody who just wants to go and support your fellow performers? Uh, I, there was uh, a friend of mine who told me that a, uh, a venue in town, I won't say which venue it is because that's not fair to them, but they literally said to my friend, oh, we're unsure about booking him because we don't know if he can get on the stage. That's, that's kind of rough. You know, I can't get on stage. Well, I'll get anywhere. You, you asked me to get, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm quite crafty and, and uh, persistence. Persistence is also a big role in being a solo singer songwriter. You don't get to do this if you're not persistent in life. So, so there's, there's that just on the, uh, just on the professional level. But then there are small things. Uh, I've been denied bus service in the past uh, because there were only two seats available. Uh, and, and there were two wheelchairs on board, so I have to wait 40 minutes for the next bus. Uh, tomorrow morning, I am uh, going to teach in a school, and I'm, right now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get there without using a rideshare. Uh, because rideshares in the past have driven right past me when they saw that I was in a wheelchair. So I have to get down to the school, which includes a, a, a reasonably short walk, but there's two feet of snow on the ground. I don't know if those so sidewalks are going to be clear or not. And, and just, just the act of clearing your sidewalk uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, is, is an act of kindness to people who need to get around, who don't necessarily have the ability to step through the snow like everybody else. Wheelchairs don't do snow well. So, <laughs> no, I can imagine they so, don't. so there are constant challenges and and they come so often in the smallest of ways that you just don't even think about you know just trying to get inside a store you get to the door and you look at it and you say well this store was not built for me and you turn around and go somewhere else Mark similar similar question for you as as you've dealt with you know, the stroke that you had at 53 and and getting Getting those those things back and, and relearning how to uh, have those conversations and then picking up the guitar, you know, what has that process been like for you? It was very difficult. I mean, look, I didn't start playing the guitar till like twenty years ago, and I, so I started when I was like forty nine. Uh, but I had just started playing, and we were I was playing with a couple of guys, and we just went all over the place. I mean, we played in New York and we played in uh, Pittsburgh and we played in Cleveland and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I had this stroke 
and it was that was really bad because for a time I I had this this therapy teacher that would was trying to teach me to speak again and one of the things that we learned was starting to write poetry all over again and that was that was kind of strange because it's like I never had trouble writing poetry before until the stroke happened and then it didn't come at all uh, and it's just it was just very weird because I couldn't play with people anymore it was I, I just started doing things myself and it was just really weird um, I don't know how else to explain it but it was just very sad and I, but I, and I wish that I had I wish that I had drunk less and I wish that I had smoked less and I wish I had done all kinds of things less because this stroke really hit me like a ton of bricks and it just knocked me for a loop for four years. Yeah, it must, must have been really difficult. Um, and some of that passion comes out in the songs that I heard that you guys wrote, and that's where I want to go next. We're going to actually play those songs for everybody, but I want, I want you guys to introduce them a little bit first. So let's, let's start with you, Charlie. The song that you wrote, can you tell us a little bit about what the process was like putting that together and um, writing that song? Uh, well, I, I really began, um, I believe the documentary that you probably watched on, on PBS, I began watching that and really learning uh, more about the depth of, of that, that group of people and the uh, people who led that. And then I just sort of sat and meditated. I, this is the, my writing process anyway. I do my research, I try to understand, and then I personalize it. I try to make it, you know, find it within my own story. Uh, and while I don't live with the same situation those people live with, lived with at that time, my life is much more open and much more free, thanks to the Disability Act. Um, I, there are, you know, micro levels of that that I can understand. So I try to internalize that and really try to become their life or their life. I try to really just become that. And then it's sitting down with a guitar and making the, telling the story as best I can. Uh, and ultimately that's, that's what songwriting is for me. Sit down with the guitar, tell that story. And I wanted this to be uh, a very personal story. And, uh, and, uh, and I wanted people to understand uh, that pain of the existence of, you know, feeling like you are irrelevant in society and that you are your society's storage, which was uh, one line that I used um, that as I wrote it, I was like, oh, that's strong. Uh, because society does store an awful lot of people, you know, put us in in a big box somewhere and push us off to the side and hope that we don't get too loud about it and society moves on without us. And and so I think that's really what I wanted to uh, focus on was the idea of being society storage and breaking free of that. And I had this metaphor, uh, uh, the wheel, wheels locked up in rust or wheels freed of rust uh, and the idea of 
of that is that you know our wheelchairs demand constant care, just like a bicycle or a car or any any other uh, wheeled vehicle. And so I just imagine people's wheels just getting locked up in rust because they weren't being used. If you're sitting in one place, you're not going anywhere, and those wheels are just going to freeze up. So we needed to oil some. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess, but the rusted wheel really needs a lot more work. So we had to crack that rust. All right, and we're going to hear that tune right now. Six miles Been to the top Of the hill And I've seen Finish line smiles And I've taken My spills I've been down On my knees And I've seen joy And tragedy And I've seen rivers Far too wide And my doubts I can't deny so don't worry about me Cause things ain't as bad well, as they seem well, And I'm gonna get back up on my feet again Yeah, I'm gonna get back up on my feet again And I've been in love a few times Filled with songs and happy rounds Thought I'd finally found someone Who hold me until the end of time I've been down on my knees And I've seen joy and tragedy And I've seen rivers far too wide And my doubts I can't deny so don't worry about me Cause things ain't as bad Well as they seem And I'm gonna get back Up on my feet again Well yes I'm gonna get back Up on my feet again I could've given up a long time ago could have stepped off the course I could have given up on everything Before it got any worse well, And the weather has changed And so has my range And I can't always do the things I'd done before been down on my knees and I've seen joy and tragedy and I've seen rivers far too wide and my doubts I can't deny so don't worry about me cause things ain't as bad well, as they seem and I'm gonna get back up on my feet again I'm gonna get back up on my feet again. Yes, I'm gonna get back up on my feet again.
All right, and we're back. Uh, next up, Mark, tell us a little bit about your song. It's called We Will Ride. Okay, um, this song was written by Kevin Richards and I, and it kind of tells the story from the start of this thing to the end of this thing. The, the whole process took about 20 years in terms of the Gang of 19. But, um, and it was started by a, a, a fella who was a Presbyterian minister. His name was Wade Black. Uh, and uh, among other things, um, he, he had this group of people from Denver, Colorado, that started the American Disabilities Act. Uh, the story took close to a long time to, to become to come to fruition, but um, but it just goes to show that people can really make a difference, and it's not. It's not that it makes no difference if you're disabled, uh, but you can still make a difference. And these people did, and it was it just went all over the place. And the people in Colorado, I think in 1983, they had the the highest or the the city with the highest disabled population, uh, uh, the the amenities for people with the highest disabled disabilities, and it, it just was very cool. Anyway, and so the the process of putting the song together, um, yes, the, the lyrics and, and all that stuff was it just like your normal songwriting process, or if you let it, it, it was tell us a little it, bit about it. It was uh, it, it's a lot. Some of the songs that I write are like from start to finish. I thought this song was really this was a good story, and you had to like tell it from the beginning uh, and down, right down to the end. Um, some of the songs that I write are just all over the place, but this one I thought was really very cool because it, it had this it had this guy who just wanted to get things for disabled people. He wanted to take them to baseball games, and he wanted to take them skiing, and he wanted to do all these things that disabled people don't do, and he, he did it all. And the guy's just pretty amazing. So, all right. And now here is We Will Ride. There's a time I'll recall, and one that I know when disabled people had no place to go. Housed in a prison No soul and no heart The children and families They drifted apart Well it happened in Denver When a pastor named Wade Ended in confinement Providing some aid, non-violent trial. He marched with the king, freedom and liberty. The helpless would sing, We will ride, we will ride. There's just as it seems for disabled people to live out their dreams. We will ride. We will ride forever in time. Our 
Life and our liberty The gang of one nine It started with buses All wheelchair bound Did sit-ins to stop them It worked so they found A national Erupted at last A move made by Congress To end what was passed Stalled was the progress And so the infirm Climbed capital stairs On their bellies like worms VDA passed And the gang of 19 There was justice for all And all in between We will ride, we will ride There's justice it seems For disabled people To live out their dreams We will ride, we will ride River in time, our life and our liberty, the gang of one nine. We will ride, we will ride. There's justice, it seems, for disabled people to live out their dreams. We will ride, we will ride forever in time. Our life and our liberty, the gang of one night. All right, and we are back. Um, one last thing I want to talk about with you guys is is the Bob Stop. Um, you guys have, I think you've performed these songs at the Bob Stop. Charlie, can you tell me a little bit about what that is like and and, and what it's like to perform these songs uh, that, are, that we're featuring here as part of the Lift, Lift Their Voices series? Well, the Bob Stop was a, a exciting opportunity for me. My, my, my father is a big jazz, jazz nut in town, a big, you know, he tells the story of jazz on, on public radio and and jazz history in Cleveland. So the Bob Stop's always been one of those really amazing places that I've always, and so you tell your dad, hey, I'm playing the Bob Stop, and he says, oh, cool, you finally made it. You know, <laughs> so that was exciting. Uh, but what a what a wonderful place. I mean, it's just, it's it's one of these venues that's both intimate and and full. I mean, you, you have a, a fully functioning music stage with strong lighting, uh, the sound is wonderful, and yet it's not this big giant place where you feel lost. You really feel connected to your audience. You feel like you're, uh, you're right there with, with everybody. And at the same time, I felt safe. I didn't feel like we were all crowding each other at the same, you know, in the world of COVID. Uh, it was a really nice, nice, uh, evening. Uh, I just enjoyed driving down with Mark and hanging out with the, with the people involved in putting the show together and, uh, you know, from the sound people to Kevin to Tam and Jason and everybody involved, and uh, and just getting on stage and and telling these stories and singing, it was a really nice nice evening. And yeah. Mark, can you 
tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to perform? Yeah, I, I just thought it was really spectacular. I mean, I really have to thank like Jason and Kevin and all the po- folks at, at Roots of American Music for making this happen. Um, uh, back in the old days, we used, Kevin and I used to play at the Barking Spider and stuff like that, and we thought that was pretty cool. But the Bob Stop was really, really, really a nice place, and I thank them all for making this happen. Well, I w- just want to thank the both of you for uh, lending your talents to the to the to these issues and, and talking a little bit about the songs that you wrote and and the issue that you're discussing in these songs. Um, the, the Lift Their Voices series uh, is part of the Roots of American Music podcast. We're going to have two more episodes on this. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time. sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.